glorious place, and I've had conversations with some of you that are in a worn-out place, and I want you to know that wherever you are, you're not alone, but i got to pause and celebrate that Allie and Dan are here, and they just celebrated Holy
people that he provided for you. And recognize that his divine help was there all along. It's an interesting statement. Charles Spurgeon says, I have learned to kiss the wave that throws me against the rock of ages. And that's kind of what I'm saying here, that in that season of peace, we would look back and say, whoa, God, I know you better. I know you deeper. Now, because I see what you did there. And this statement is a little bit like, ouch, and yeah. And I say that because a wave that throws me anywhere is like, ouch, right? But understanding God, the rock of ages, an almighty God that is unchanging is like, yes. And so this, this kind of is like, whoa, yeah. I have learned to kiss the wave that throws me against the rock of ages. And that is the trials we're talking about. And so those trials that we all experience that come and go in our lives can be purposeful if we will allow them to be. A sneak peek into Psalm 77, now, as I will end with it later, says the word, starts with this word, but. So you know that like there was this whole thing before that, right? And it's like verse 11, so you're like, okay, hold on. What did 1 through 10 say? Uh, that's how I think. I don't know about you guys, but that's just how I think. So it starts with, but then I recall all you have done. Oh, Lord. I remember wonderful deeds of long ago. Church, don't miss when the Word of God is giving you a hint that something is up, verse 1 through 10, when it starts with, but then, right? I recall. That tells us that 1 through 10, the psalmist was having, having a mentee B, they like to say, which is a mental breakdown, if you will. A moment, a mental moment, and we're all going to feel a lot of comfort when we read that passage later together. But then I recall all you have done. Oh Lord, I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. You see, we reach these dead ends, if you will, and, and have nowhere to go often. But then I recall. We get these diagnoses and these medical alerts, and, and it spins us. But then I recall. The deadline is just quickly approaching, and I haven't even started. But then I recall. There's just no money. But then I recall. We have no answers. I don't know what else to do. But then I recall, the doors are constantly shutting. There are no open doors. But then I recall, all you have done, O oh Lord. Church, somehow we have got to find a way when it's dark and when it's hard and when it seems to be falling apart to recall who God is and all that he has already done Amen. and all that he has said he would do so that our hope floats. Especially when trials come, we need to flow with the undercurrent of who God is and what he has already done. This is not an undertow. This is a life raft. Hold that image right there. Because when we're on shaky ground already, and we've all been there, right? We've all had that. Remember, 100% of us. Let's get honest. When we're on shaky ground already, when we're in the midst of the trial, the storm, the seas are tossing us left and right, trusting the unknown in God's hands can feel like an undertow. Am I right? Oh, and now God wants me to do this. And wait, I, but I don't, a blind step. But if you will, 
like a pilot trusting the instruments in a storm. They literally can't see out their window sometimes. They simply have to trust the instruments that they trained on and that trained them how to land. If you will do that with God in the trial, that will not be an undertow, it will be a life raft. Trust his track record, recall his mighty works, and hold on tight until you land. You'll find that the fear of trusting God was not an undertow. Have you experienced that? Let me take my glasses off. You're blurry. Have you experienced that? Where you are already in a situation where you're like, this feels uncertain, I am struggling, and now the Lord wants me to do this, and I just, I mean, I just don't see how. And if I even take that step, my life's going to be swept up from under me, and then what? But maybe if you would just dare to believe that this is not an undertow, this is a life raft, this is a lifeboat, this is the flow of God's help, that divine help that I mentioned before. And then the Bible is full of examples of people that were in a hard way. And then the Lord moved as they trusted him. The Bible is full of people that didn't. We're not going to read one of those stories tonight. I'm not sure that would be too encouraging for you. Okay? But we are going to read a story of a woman who was in a bad way. A real trial in her life. Everything that could go wrong was going wrong. And it was getting worse. Ever been kicked while you're down? How about this? Ever felt kicked while you're down? So just Laura. <laughs> this would be this would be a yes. Have you ever felt kicked while you're down? How much so you should be shaking your head like this because we've all felt it. Whether it's true or not, it has felt like that. Well, this woman was. We're going to be in 2 Kings 4, and I would encourage you to write this down or take a picture of this so that later this week you can go back or maybe even tomorrow morning you can go back and read this story for yourself and break it down verse by verse, underlining things that stand out, highlighting things that stand out, circling words that are action words, all the different ways that we can do a Bible study that takes us deeper and further. So I would definitely take this even further that I'm going to take it tonight. But I want to visit this incredible moment where God moved. There's no other way. It was God. And it's clear to know. Alright, so 2 Kings 4, 1 through 7, starting at verse 1. I'll read what you have. One day the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you is dead. And you know how he feared the Lord. Now there's, there is, I will tell you this, there is thought that this is Obadiah's wife. So Obadiah and Elisha were prophets, and they were what you would call like maybe mentees of Elijah, the great prophet. And so if that matters to you, this is a prophet's wife. We believe it's Obadiah. I believe it's Obadiah as I read and study. So my husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come, threatening to take my two sons as slaves. What can I do to help you? Elisha asked. Tell me, what do you have in the house? So I like how she's gone to someone that she trusts, right? And that knows the Lord. Nothing at all, except a flask of oil, she replied. All right, so I'm going to stop there. See my little italics? We have now learned many things about this woman. I want to stop. We have learned what? That she is a widow, which means that her husband has passed, okay? We have learned that she has two sons, and we have also learned that she has a debt, right? And we have learned that her two sons are about to be sold into slavery in order to pay her debt. So we have now learned that her husband, who probably was the working one who was making the money, is gone. And so there is no way for income, if you will, which now would fall on her sons, especially the oldest son at this time. And now they're going to be sold, which means that she will become desolate. Completely desolate. So this is not just a matter of, of poverty, which we also see that, because the only thing she has in her home is a flask of oil. This is not just a story of poverty, 
This is the story of a woman who is about to be completely desolate. Poverty, yes, clear. Widow, yes, clear. In a bad way, yes, clear. And now, because of her debt, her sons, her only option for life are going to be sold into slavery? She's being kicked while she's down, if you will. All right, let's move on. First three. And Elisha said, Borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. Soon, every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, Now sell the olive oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is left over. This story holds so much hope and so many life lessons for me in the storms of life because we've already addressed that she's in a place where she's being kicked while she's down. So this is not just a storm. This is a storm with the water spout and wind and waves and it's all the things. And she is really at a place where if something doesn't change, she will be desolate, completely desolate. But she saw the Lord move. And I want to ask you this before I move on and talk about the story a little more. Has he worked mysteriously in your life before? Have you seen him work in wonderful ways? What about miraculous ways? Okay, maybe not in you, but how about in others? I want to say this. When you see the Lord work in others' lives and you haven't seen Him work in yours, don't get jealous of that. See what He has done and know that He can do it for you. Amen. I felt enough to say that after this story tonight, so forever that is for, don't be jealous of what you see the Lord doing in others. See what he has done and trust him to do it for you and yours. If you haven't seen or experienced firsthand a work of God to recall it in yourself, look at what he's done elsewhere and recall it for you and yours. Claim it, believe it, that he can do it for you. So the woman is, I've lost my husband, we have debt, I am poor, my sons are about to be taken into slavery, I am going to die, and then she recalled. And so she went to Elisha, a man of God that she knew was a prophet and knew that the Lord worked through and spoke to, and so she recalled. She was in a trial, she was kicked while she was down, and sometimes we think, but when it's so dark and hard, I can't even think straight, but listen, I believe you can and I believe that you can find a way to do so. I don't care if it's a post-it note on your mirror. I don't care if it's a Sharpie on your refrigerator. I don't know what you have to do, but when the trial begins and your mind is still sound, find a way to put scripture in your home, in your car, of things that the Lord has done, the reminders of the way he came through last time. He's the same God. He's the same God. So she's going through all of this, and then she recalled all the mighty works the Lord has done. We're going to go through stuff, and we've got to find a way to recall all the works the Lord has done. And if you're having a hard time remembering what he's done for you, listen to this. Romans 15, 4 says, For everything that was written in former times was written for our instruction, so that through endurance and through encouragement of the scriptures, we may have hope. Do you have a Bible? then you have a record of some things God has done. we got to find a way to recall all the mighty works the Lord has done. So the widow recalled the works God had done. And she went to the prophet, and she saw that he had been used by God, and she went to him. And so one of the things we need to do is try to recall what God has done before. And we see that she sought wisdom 
So she went and she asked for help. But she remembered who God was, right? And she knew that he could help her again. James 1.5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. He'll be given to you. When you find yourself needing wisdom, ask God for it. Or how about Psalms 121.2? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. We find ourselves in a trial. We need wisdom. We need to help. First look here. And then she sought wisdom from a person. Proverbs 27 9 advises us to seek earnest counsel. So she goes to Elisha and asks for help. And honestly, just to be honest, sometimes that is helpful and sometimes it's not. Okay, so if you go to like someone that you thought was like super mature Christian, it, it, sometimes they're helpful, sometimes they're not. Okay, it's okay. Your wisdom, your help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. But sometimes if you go to your pastor and it's like they need coffee, okay? Or they're really sweaty, you know, and they're just uncomfortable. I mean, sometimes, you know, that humanity can just get the best of us on like a, like a Thursday, you know? <laughs> and so sometimes it's helpful, sometimes it's not. But do it anyway. The Bible tells us to seek earnest counsel. And many times your pastor or your uh, spiritual mentor or a, a friend of the faith that is further along than you will have some encouragement or maybe just simply give you a scripture and a pat on the back and believe in you. I don't know. Sometimes it's helpful, sometimes it's not. But do it. It's good practice. Then we see the widow sent her sons to collect pots for oil, the oil that God was going to pour out. This is an act of faith. She was showing her sons that she believes that God's going to do it. Remember, your children are watching, all right? But what I see here also is that she got others involved. So when you find yourself in this trial, maybe you're being kicked while you're down, seek the Lord, seek his wisdom, seek his counsel, first of all. Reach out to those spiritual mentors of yours. Maybe it's a parent, maybe it's a pastor, maybe it's a coach, maybe it's a counselor, maybe it's a mentor. But then get others involved. Ask them to pray. Ask them to help. Don't say what you don't want to say. You don't have to give the whole shebang. Just, just say what you want to say, but get them involved. The ones you are nudged to get involved. Ask them to pray. This is ask them to pray. To pray. Don't be afraid to ask them to help with food. Or laundry. Or babysitting. Or errands. E-R-R-A-N-D-S. Not A-A-R-O-N-S, okay? <laughs> We all need more errands. We get that. But help, ask them to help with errands or time or space. I want to see a show of hands. And if a true friend came to you, a neighbor, a church congregate, anybody came to you and said, I need some help. Will you help me run this errand? Who's willing to do it? Show of hands. Church. You don't have to carry it alone. Ask them to pray, help with food, laundry, babysitting, anything. She knew God could do it. She saw earnest counsel. She lived by faith. She got others involved. And she saw the hand of God move. That hand of God moving was not transactional, but I can tell you this, it was timely. It was not, okay, you've done all that, now I'll do this kind of God, but it was timely. But she first recalled what the Lord could do, who he was, what he has done. And she went with the flow of who he is and what he has done and did not see it as an undertow. So you want me to give my last oil away? You want me to pour out my last oil and then I'll have nothing? <laughs> That's an undertow. The flow of who God is and what he's already done is a life raft, not an undertow. And don't you know when that oil started flowing, when God started moving mightily, she knew it was him. There's no other answer. And what I love, it says in 2 Kings 4, 7, is that he didn't just meet the need noted. I, my boys are going to be sold into slavery. He didn't just meet that need. 
For that debt, he came through abundantly. Listen, now sell the olive oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is left over. He didn't just meet the need noted. He came through abundantly and solved all kinds of problems. And answered many prayers. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more, all we could ask or imagine. Ephesians 3 20. At this point, in my being, I'm jumping up and down, screaming. I'm like, do you see that? I mean, like, all right, I'm jumping up and down. Christy's running around the room. Like, you know, it's getting lively up in there. Some of you are like, well, that was the Lord. <laughs> Praise ye the Lord. And I love it because we're the body of Christ and it takes all of us. Some of us will be shouting, some of us will be praising. My dad put in high note. God has done it. God has come through for us. He is worthy of all praise and honor and glory. I'm telling you what, I would realize, though, at some point, that if the waters hadn't risen to flood stage in my life, I don't know that I would have seen that God could do that. I didn't know God could rescue me that way. And I've said it before, but there is a miracle listed in the Word of God that matches the work of God that you need. Some of you didn't even know the story was in there. Some of you did because I've preached it before in a different way. But if that would have been me, I'd be like, I didn't know we could do that. And I would realize it was never trying to sweep my feet out from under me. He was helping me float. He was helping me rise and live. But if the waters had never risen to flood stage, I would not have seen the hand of God rescue me with such might. In the trial, I learned from this story just a few things I learned from this story. Recall the works of the Lord. Ask for wisdom. Get others involved. Trust who God is. Do what he says. Wait on him. And know that he will come through. This know is important. Because sometimes in the, in the storms and the trials of life, our emotions can deceive us. Or they can actually be gone sometimes. We can become numb. Or maybe we can't see or hear or feel or sense the Lord's presence. And so we can't go on what we feel or sense or see or hear all the time. We need to know who He is and know that He will keep His word. Because He said He would, and He always has that track record. And know that He will come through. Great is your faithfulness, Lord, unto me. The eternal God is our refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. I'm going to share a short story of our recent journey with you. Um, you guys know that we had been in a transitional season in our own personal lives. And on May 28th, we moved out of our former residence um, and had temporary housing. We were very thankful for that. But we knew that the Lord wanted to do um, a work, and we just wanted to go with Him of what that was, where the next place would be. And we knew there wasn't just going to be for us. It was also going to be for the church. In the meantime, looking for commercial space for a church office because the church office was in our home for the last five years, and we've absorbed that cost, and we've absorbed that uh, you will responsibility, and we were glad to do it to help this church launch and to help this church get afloat, if you will. But I'm the kind of person that my job can't be in my house because guess what? I'm always on the job. 
And it got to the point where the office was always right there, and my chair was right here, and I could see the office, and I knew there was things I needed to do, because there's always something else you can do, right? And I was no longer relaxing. I was no longer resting. But commercial space is probably even more expensive than housing, believe it or not. And so we, we didn't feel good about how much commercial space was going to cost for what we were going to need for the church office. We also needed storage. We were also going to need more storage, temperature-controlled storage, which also storage is, anyone know? Very high. This is Sarasota people. And so just committing all of that to prayer, along with our home, I mean, just a few things, right? Just a few things. And just knowing that the Lord was going to come through in His righteous right hand, moving at the right time. Well, that's enough in itself to be worried about figuring out. But all of a sudden, and this can only be explained by the spiritual world, and, and I'm not going to try to get too mystical for some of you at all, but um, not mystical at all, but in the spiritual world. But what began to happen to Eric and I in this season is like a surrounding of darkness. And as we began to look for housing and look for commercial space and look to move the church forward and look to move our lives forward and look to do the next step and take the next step. It was like the enemy had encamped an army around us of darkness. This was a strong curtain of darkness. This was a strong, very loud army, if you will. All of our things were in storage. And some of the voices were telling us this would be a good time to get a truck and get the heck out of town. And some of the voices were telling us that, you know, you're trying to move this church forward, but do they want to? I'm getting real with you because so many of you get real with me. And if you're wondering if you need prayer, there's your answer. It gets hard and it gets dark and it gets long in the nights when you can't sleep and you have to keep believing in what the Lord has said and what he's called you to do and who he's called you to serve when every voice is telling you otherwise. And it was dark and it was hard. But we knew what the Lord had said. And we knew that he was trying to move us forward. And he know, we know that this church has a future. And we know that we have a future with this church. And we know, right? I can, I can name it and claim it right now. We know. We know who God is. We know what he can do. We've seen him make a way. We've seen this. We've seen that. We know. We know. We know. We couldn't feel. We couldn't hear. We couldn't sense. And literally this army was so thick and so dark and so high and so fast that it almost just completely encompassed us. And if we were not constantly pushing back with truth, it was just like a fog. And while we were dealing with this darkness, we were also trying to find a home in a space that we could do the ministry that we know we're called to do. It was very clear. We had vision from the Lord before this darkness started. We took a step towards three different places at three different times. And just before we took the step, the realtor or liaison would tell us, sorry, someone just applied last night. Or sorry, someone just applied an hour ago. Sorry, but... And sometimes we didn't even get a call back. And it was weird. And it was hard. And we're fighting this mental battle, and we're fighting this spiritual battle, and we're fighting really, truly, not just for ourselves, but for this body. And it got really weird. And it got really hard. And it got really loud. And we got really tired. But we stuck with what we knew. We kept recalling who God is and what he has done. And we knew that he was just warming up. And we know what he's about to do. We can see what he wants to do with us, with this body, with this church. We can see it. We can't do it alone. We just needed an opening for a sliver 
of light and life to come in, to come through, for the Lord to get through the darkness, to press through. And if you read in Daniel 10, you'll see that this happened to him as well. And that darkness that had encamped around Daniel was eventually overcome. And I'll never forget, there was one particular day that Laura, Paige, and Tina were visiting us in the space, and they were praying over us. And it was like, for a second, that curtain of darkness uh, moved, shifted, and it, it created a space. And it was like the love of God got underneath. And it hit me, and it broke me. Because I live, most of the time, in the rhythm of God's love. I can feel it. I can see it. I can hear it. And I want so much for, for you guys to feel that, to live in that. But I recognize that moment that I hadn't felt that for a while. Not because he didn't love me, but because the darkness had gotten so thick and so fast and so hard and came for the road. But that moment, and it didn't last long. It was gone before too long. But even as it left, I knew that God is for me. God is with us. He has a plan for our lives. He loves us. That no weapon formed against us will prosper. And that he has what we need on the other side of this. We've got to get through it. With his help and his grace and his sustaining strength that I can't see, feel, or know. And I'm not going to trust my feelings right now because they're off because I haven't slept on four nights. He's sustaining us. He's going to get us there. He is the literal wind in our sails. We just can't feel it. And I know you've been there too. And some of you have never had a pastor be that honest with you. And you're thankful that I'm not afraid to say it. And I hope that you are. And I hope that you'll receive my honesty tonight as a reminder that you're not the only one that goes through it. We do too. But then I recall. And sometimes I have to remind myself in the midst of it all. And there's so much more I can't tell you. There's so much more I can't share from you. Long, hard days. I've said I didn't sleep in June and I can't wake up in July right now, you know? It's coming, it came to a close, we'll talk about that in a second. But here's the thing, here's how I recall. I put it before me. Sometimes I print it out and hang it on my mirror. Sometimes I put it in my car. Sometimes I write it on my mirror. Sometimes I put it on my phone, my, my page. Something that I need to remember. Something I need to remind myself. But it just so happened that in the month of June, I was following some people on socials, different socials. And I'm connected to a, different, a couple of different accounts and email groups that I'm a part of and different pastoral circles and things like that. And we all share with one another. And I probably collected about a hundred different thoughts of encouragement and insight throughout the month of June. And it was wonderful. In many ways, my hope stayed afloat. And so I decided to share some of those, not all a hundred, don't worry. So we're like, I'm going to have to go to the bathroom quick. Right. <laughs> I just brought some tonight to share with you. Some of the things you'll understand. The first one. Dear Lord. Those are tears. Amen. You know, sometimes we just don't have the words. But we know that he knows. And then alongside the one day you will thank yourself for never giving up. Next. Never give up hope. Because your miracle could be right around the corner. Stay positive. 
One day, you'll be living the life you prayed for. A couple of people I follow on Twitter. Life always gets crazy before blessings come. Lock in. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be so. Exodus 14. 14. So much good is coming your way. You know, it would have been nice if we were just looking for a house. And that's it. But so much good is coming your way. I said it earlier. God is able. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more all we ask for imagine. According to his power that is at work within us. That power that is moving us onward, helping us to know, believing he's going to come through, even when there's, we can't even see past an army of defeat. I will walk by faith, even when I cannot see. Girlfriend, men, women, never get tired of asking God to guide you. It was a good encouragement to see this group of people at BBX. Every step I take, I take in you. And the Lord was good to remind me along the way that this church is hitting a lot of bullseyes. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> I like this pastor from New York. Instead of measuring a church by its attendance and budget, let's assess it by the quality of community that disciples people to love well, a culture that equips individuals to have a firsthand life with God, and a commitment to work for healing in all areas of life in the way of Jesus. I see you, Church of God, Sarasota. I see you. What an encouragement in the middle of June. The part right before the level up will be excruciating. You'll probably lose close to everything alongside your sanity and will to live. That didn't happen, no matter. But it's good to read, right? My ears are teary. But your validation to keep going should rest in the fact that this is to prepare you for what is coming next. Hang on with everything you have because feeling so low means you can only go up. There are two types of tire, I suppose. One is a dire need of sleep. The other is a dying need of peace. And here's the whole Deuteronomy 33:27. The eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. He will drive out your enemies before you say, destroy them. I believe that he was doing that. I believe that he was yelling out to the enemy, be gone, be gone. And he was starting 10 layers back, like Timon and Pumla with the coyotes, right? The, her the hyenas and the lion king, kicking them, rolling them like bowling balls away from us. But the, the thickness of the attack was so vast that the Lord was driving out the enemy for us. Amen. It just took a while to get there. And then after you've suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Easy was never the promise. Victory was. And as the sun 
began to set on what I would call my strength. The Lord opened some doors for us. And some of them came in that place of peace, in that place of hope, in that place of joy where we saw that the Lord was making his way through the cloud of attack. And that he was reaching us and he was rescuing us. And we could feel his nearness once again. And then another way that he began to speak on our behalf and bring victory on our behalf is one night when I was on my real estate feed that I was looking at constantly, for whatever reason, my computer shut down. And so I was rebooting it, reloading it, getting it to go back. And as it came back, all my filters were gone. The filters that you put up there that say, this is your budget, and this is, you know, how many bedrooms and how many bathrooms and all of that, right? All of that. And my filters went away, and of course there were houses on there for $25,000 a month, and that was definitely not our budget. <laughs> like, okay, whatever. And so, um, but there were others too. And we had lived with my parents, our parents with us previously, and we thought that if there was a property that provided that type of space again on the same property, that maybe that could work again. But in that um, reestablishing of my filters being gone, um, a property popped up that had what you would call a separate living quarters. And we clicked on it just to look and see, and went and looked at it, and then took my parents, and was it going to be a fit for them because they couldn't make that commitment for a year because they're hoping to purchase their own place in the next, you know, some time, and so they didn't want to walk into another rental for a year since they want to purchase. And so we began to think and pray, and as we were sitting um, in, in temporary housing that we were in at the time, we were sitting and praying, and it was almost like the Lord said, and at one point, housing is easy. And I said, that's funny. Because <laughs> we've been, you know, in walking in circles blindly and said no three times. Can't even afford to live here. And then he said, but you've been praying for many things. And I was like, you're going to have to give me more. This is like code cracking here. <clears throat> he showed me this property again and reminded us that we've been praying for a church office. And we've been praying for storage. And we've been praying for a home and for parking. And one of the visions the Lord has given is a yard for the church, for the youth to play in and to camp, tent camp, and to have bonfires, and church parties, and space for the young adults to come, and hang out, and play, and be, and the couples to have a place every third Sunday. We've been here and there and everywhere, just to have that consistency. And um, he showed me again this property there that came up as it refreshed. Um, could be all of that. And I knew there was no way we'd be able to get this house without the hand of God because the number um, on the advertisement was reflective of the original number, not what they had come down to because at the same time that we had gotten a three-time no, they had three tenants back out the last minute. And I didn't realize the number on their ad wasn't reflective where they were landing now. And so we had the conversation. We asked if they would come down and explain what we were going to be using it for. They definitely came down. They had been coming down all along. And the application process was the easiest application process I've ever been through in my life. They checked our credit and they checked our background. And they said, we want you to be tenants. And we felt the Lord fighting our battles. Not all of them were over. And he came through. And I want to show you this picture. The one over here is the sneak peek that you're going to get tonight of the house and the church office and much ministry space that's happening there. And we're going to have an open house for the church to come 
and see it all at the beginning of August as we finish getting it ready for everybody and everything. Um, young adults will get a sneak peek probably before that and some of the couples, but, um, but this was the first night of sunset at our new place. And when I say, literally as the sun was setting on what I would call my strength, the Lord has done it. The Lord came through. And the only way it can be explained is God. The only way it can be explained is God. They didn't even ask for a base stuff. Thank goodness. <laughs> so they said, no can do. <laughs> And then, dear God, I just want to say thank you. Church, I want you to know, Eric Reader and Marshall Reader get it. Yeah. It gets dark. It gets hard. It gets ugly. Sometimes there aren't answers. Sometimes no doors are opening and everyone is saying no. And I get his protection and redirection and I get all of that and I knew it and I was believing it. But sometimes the sun is just about to set on every ounce of strength you have left. And he comes through. And sometimes I just don't like 1159.59. Sometimes I feel like 1130 is not so bad. But the truth is, we're reminded in Isaiah 43, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And as I close this message, I'm going to close reading Psalm 77 with you, the whole thing. And tonight, I don't know what you're going through or what you've just gone through, or maybe the season you're entering. But don't let the floodwaters rise to flood stage, become rescued and missed and miss what God has done. Don't let that happen. And don't let the floodwaters rise without recalling what God has done, who He is, and that His instruction is not an undertow. It's a life raft. Psalm 77. I cry out to God. Yes, I shout. Oh, that God would listen to me. When I was in deep trouble, I searched for the Lord. All night long I prayed with hands lifted toward heaven, but my soul was not comforted. I think of God and I moan, overwhelmed with longing for his help. You don't let me sleep. I am too distressed even to pray. I think of the good old days long since ended when my nights were filled with joyful songs. I searched my soul and pondered the difference in it. Has the Lord rejected me forever? Will he never again be kind to me? Is his unfailing love gone forever? Have his promises permanently failed? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he slammed the door on his compassion? Trembled and shook, your road led through the sea. 
your pathway through the mighty waters. I love this, a pathway no one knew was there. Basically, you did what I didn't know you could do. I didn't know it could happen like that. You led your people along that road like a flock of sheep with Moses and Aaron as their shepherds, an unlikely duo. Have you ever been there, church? You ever gotten that honest, church? I'm thankful for the psalmist that just says this was a really hard season. But then I recall all the Lord has done, all your mighty works, that even the waters of the sea backed up when you entered the sea. Church, I don't know what trial you're in, what you need from the Lord tonight, but I will tell you this. Find a way to recall all that he's done. Call on him. Ask, seek, knock. You have? Do it again. Ask again. Seek again. Knock again. Matthew 7 tells us the persistent seeker will be heard. The persistent knocker will be received. Be persistent. Remember what he's done. Call out to him. And remember that when he comes on the scene, the waters back up. The application goes through. <laughs> the oil starts pouring and doesn't stop until all debts are paid and then some. This is the mighty works of our Lord. Do you need him tonight? Do you just need to know tonight? Whatever you need, he is here. And he wants to meet with you. And he wants to come through for you. Call out to him for help. Seek his wisdom. His miraculous, mighty ways are worth recalling and claiming and believing in for you and yours. Flow with the undercurrent of who God is and what he has already done. This is not an undertow. This is a life raft. Let's pray. Lord, you are good. And your mercies endure forever. Even when we cannot see it, you're working. Even when we cannot feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. And for that, I want to say thank you. Lord, in the nights where all we have is a dear Lord, a bunch of tears, and an amen, thank you that you hear us and you know our heart. Thank you, Jesus, that you intercede for us. And on the nights that we can list all the things that you've done, and we can thank you for them, Lord. Thank you for hearing our worship and our prayers. Thank you, Lord, that from the tears to the shouting of praise, you never left us. You never forsaken us, Lord. Thank you. But God, tonight I want to ask, if there's someone in this room that feels like they're being encamped, encircled by darkness, that in Jesus' name that you would start come and kicking through and fighting through and break through and let your love sneak under and reach them tonight, Lord. That they would feel your refuge and your rescuing arms. That they would know that you love them. And that no weapon formed against them will truly prosper. That you will deliver them. That underneath are your everlasting arms. And while the current seems strong, it feels like they're about to be swept off their feet. Lord, it says in your word, it promises us that it won't happen with you. That we are yours and you won't allow that. And so, Lord, those that feel like the current is getting strong, God, would you come and be the life raft for them right now? For those whose hope feels like it's sinking, Lord, that you would speak or nudge or show or feel or bring a kind word from somewhere or someone so their hope can float again. And, Lord, when the nights are long 
and the days are hard that these people, your people, would know what's true and stand on it and wait for you to deliver them. That they would not give in to temptation. That they would not give in to what this world offers. But instead they would stand strong knowing who you are and what you have done waiting on you to deliver. And it's hard, Lord, that would you give them the sustaining strength and the sustaining grace to stay in the fight with you fighting the battles. Lord, we love you. We, we hurt when it gets hard. But Lord, I pray tonight it's been useful for teaching. I pray tonight that someone can grow in a way that they've heard about the woman with the oil and Eric and Marcia with the season of darkness. And if anything else, Lord, they'll know how to pray. But maybe in their season, Lord, they will remember how you came through for us. And they'll recall all the work you have done. Oh, Lord. Maybe we wait, maybe meet with you in this moment, in this minute, in this hour. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. As we start response, you can come and you can come and light a candle representing Jesus as the light of the world. Where do you need him? Dark places, inviting him. Light a candle. Symbolic. Kneel and pray. Spend time with him. Worship. He is here. He's ready to work. He's ready to move. Receive it tonight.